morning. I got to greet most of you, so hey, bunny ears. What a beautiful spring day. What a beautiful time to gather together. Um, so I have a, a short message. You'll appreciate that. Uh, but let me start with this little story before, uh, before we pray. Squirrels had overrun three churches in a small community in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. The, fa- the pastor of the first church had tried everything in his power to remove them. After a great deal of prayer, the church board determined that the animals were predestined to be there, and who were they to interfere with God's will? The bad news, the squirrels continued to multiply. The second church pastor decided that they could not harm God's creatures either, so they decided to get humane traps, and they trapped all the squirrels, and they took them out to the forest outside of town, and dropped them off. The bad news, they returned and multiplied. It was only the third church, the Holy Trinity, which succeeded in keeping the intruders away. The pastor baptized the squirrels, registered them as members of the church. The good news, they only see them twice a year on Easter and Christmas. Um, I've been there before, early in my life. Of only going to church at Christmas and Easter. Uh, and if that's all you do, then we would welcome you tomorrow to come be with us or just find a church and uh, take a moment to take in uh, what I'll share with you today. So let's, let's take a moment and pray. Father God, we just, again, thank you for this beautiful day, this time together. We thank you for... Uh, the blessing of the food, and may it bless each of us, Lord. And uh, we thank you for your servants that come and serve, Lord. And we thank you for those you brought here today. May your words, may your message touch each each person here the way that you want them to hear it, the way that you want them to take it in. Not by my words, but by yours. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to, the title of the message is Two Steps to Changing Your Life for Eternity. The first step is faith, childlike faith. The second step is commitment. Believers should have an attitude of commitment. You have to be all in. So first let me start with a story, uh, an illustration of the power of the mind of a two-year-old. This is the story of Connor. He is very precious to me, and it's being part of his life and his being part of my life that helped me to understand the illustration that God was saying when he said we need a childlike faith. The story of Connor, he came into our lives after he was just a few months old. Our neighbors... Uh, one is, the father is a fireman, the, the wife is a teacher, and uh, because of their schedule, sometimes we would have him two, three times a week. Um, we started out, again, as neighbors, but we are now Nana and Papa. 
Connor's grandfather died when he was just a few months old. Uh, he was there when he was dedicated at the Assembly of God um, over by the high school. But besides his mother, father, and his grandmother, we are the closest ones in his life. He is always excited to come visit us, Nan and Papa. We watched him yesterday. Mom told me when she dropped him off that he did a little happy dance when he was, I'm, I'm so excited to go see Nan and Papa. The first time Mom let him pretend drive in her car, she asked him where he wanted to go. And he, he said, Nana Papa's. Just letting you know how close we've become. Yes, Connor is part of our family, and we are part of him. We go to his birthday parties. We went to their baby shower. They're expecting a new little girl. Things are, very few things are as precious as being part of a child's life as they grow up. Many of you don't want them to grow up, and I understand that. I'm just thankful to be part of this little guy's life. Pretty cool guy. Got Papa's hat and Nana's sunglasses. Well, Connor was brought up, whenever he fell and got one of those owies, that one of us, whoever it was, mom, dad, Nana, Papa, Grandma, we would kiss his owie, and it would be all better. Well, there was a period when he was just about to turn two years old that when he got an owie, he wanted Papa to kiss his, his owie and make it better. One morning, I was sitting at the kitchen table at the far end, and I was working on the computer. And uh, Nana and Connor were playing in the living room, and I heard a loud thud and a wailing. No, it wasn't Nana that fell. It was, it was Connor. And he was crying, and I heard Nana say, Connor, do you want me to kiss your owie? And he proclaimed very loudly, no, Papa. He began running to Papa, crying all the way to the kitchen as he reached out his arms for her to pick him up. And every time he does that, it just it melts my heart. When any child has enough trust in you to reach out to you, it's a blessing. And when he got to the kitchen table, I picked him up. He pointed to his owie, and I kissed his owie, and immediately he stopped crying. See, that's faith. Now, you know, I don't have any magical powers in my lips to stop that pain. But he knew in his heart, he trusted us enough, he believed enough that as soon as I kissed that, it was all better. That's my guy at two years old. That is the power of the mind of a two-year-old. It's filled with trust. He simply believed that the pain would stop. A complete and blinding, binding faith that the pain would stop if I kissed his alley. That's the same trust and faith that God wants us to have. So let me share step one, faith. Childlike faith. It's the kind of faith Jesus was talking about in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. 
I'll go over verses 13 through 16. But as you see up here, this is Mark 10, uh, verse 15. Then they brought little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought him. But when Jesus saw this, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the children come to me, and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. Jesus blessed the children and used that as an example of how we must receive the kingdom of God. They brought the little, the verse says, it brought the little children to him. The ancient Greek word used for broad is prospero, suggests bringing the children to Jesus for dedication. Let the children come to me. Jesus loved children, and children loved Jesus. You know that children don't love someone that's a mean or sour person. They have that sense in them. They know who they can trust. The disciples rebuke those who that brought them because the children who love to come to Jesus, we should never block their way. That was the displeasure that Jesus had towards the disciples. <clears throat> and I'm sure afterwards there was, a, there was a talking to Jesus to the disciples so that they would understand. We should never fail to provide a way for our children. Yes, the disciples were once on the wrong side of Jesus' message. You know, they weren't fully on board until they were blessed with the Holy Spirit. How How could children receive such a blessing from Jesus? Because children can receive the blessing of Jesus without trying to make themselves worthy of it or pretending they do not need it. We need to receive God's blessing the same way. I hear it all the time. I recently heard it from one of the gentlemen from Pine Pine Ridge. He was enjoying up here in the mountains. It had been something that he had never been part of. But he had one, one issue. It was alcohol. And he couldn't give it up. And I asked him, why, why don't you just give it to God? And he, he said, well, as soon as I take care of that, I'll, I'll give myself fully to the Lord. We just deceive ourselves. Whatever it is, for him it was alcohol, for someone else it can be drugs. But see, Jesus, he knows our past. He doesn't care about that. He knows our future. And he'll deal with that when we get there. What he cares about is right now in the present, where you stand today. That's what he cares about. And he'll, he'll accept you just like that if you accept him and bring him into your life. For such is the kingdom of God, was the next verse. Children are not only a blessing, but they are an example of how we must enter the kingdom with a childlike faith not with childish faith. That's when we just fool ourselves and nobody else because God already knows our hearts. 
We must come to God with a faith that trusts God just like a little child will trust his papa and leave all the problems to his daddy. See, once you become a believer, you now become a child of God. And if you think about it, our relationship with God is just like you as a parent to your child. You know when that little child starts to reach for that, put that finger in the electrical socket and you scream and you scare them to death and they start crying? Which maybe is not a bad thing. But you do that out of concern. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to correct us if we need it, love us all the way through, and provide for us what we need. What he thinks we need, not what we think we need. We must come to God with the faith and trust just like a child. The emphasis isn't that children are always humble or innocent because, believe me, they're not. My uh, Connor's grandmother brought him the uh, video, The Minions, it only took one day on that video watching them guys slap each other, but we had to get they had to get rid of that video. It, it is gone. Children are in a place where they often can do nothing but receive. See, that's what God is trying to tell us. When they're a, when they're an infant, when they're a baby, they can't feed themselves. They can't change their diaper. Until they crawl, they can't, they need help just getting around. That's how God wants us to be. That totally dependent on Him in seeking Him. We have to have that faith. For whatever reason, some of us think that we, we refuse the gift because we're self-sufficient. Or we have pride. So we must receive the kingdom of God as a little child. Because we surely we will by no means enter it by what we do or what we've earned. It doesn't work like that, folks. Sometimes we have to be in a low place in our life to even reach up to God. All those scientists, those intellects, <clears throat> they're never going to get it. <clears throat> We have to drop our pride, our stubbornness. We can't let our intellect thinking we're as smart as God. We can't let our anger against God get in the way either. There may be some here that are angry at God because of something that happened in their life. Why would God allow that to happen? I don't have the answers. But God will use it. will use that purpose in your life. We must accept God unconditionally. A little slow on this one. Step two. Believers should have an attitude of commitment. See, we, uh, a lot of us can take that first step and accept Jesus. And at that point, we think happily ever after. doesn't work that way, folks. doesn't work that way. No, there's a commitment. 
that you must have. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who suffered in the flesh ceased, ceased with, from sin, and that he no longer should live the rest of his time in flesh for the lust of man, for themselves, but for the will of God. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. Again, that's, Jesus gave us, gave us many examples, but the example we're going to talk about today is the cross. He gave us the examples. He showed us the way. And he's charged us with taking that same mind that he had in accepting the suffering that he went through. The commitment of God calls us to have nothing greater than the commitment Jesus had to endure suffering for our salvation. And you, most of you have all heard the story that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. He was whipped where his skin was torn from his back and side. He had a crown of thorn crushed onto his skull. He had to carry his own cross up the hill to Calvary. His hands and feet were nailed on there. A spear pierced his side. And that wasn't even the worst part. See, one of the things we need to understand and know is that God cannot be in the presence of sin. If we continue in sin, God has to turn from us until we reach out to Him. That's where the commitment part comes in. Okay, You just don't say, stand up and, and say the sinner's prayer and that's it. This is a relationship. This is a relationship that develops over time. It's just like your kids. As a parent to your child, you have to develop that relationship. The most painful thing for the Lord on that cross was the moment that He took our sins on, yours, mine, and everybody else's in the world, and God had to turn His back on His Son. That was the first and only time that Jesus and the Father had been apart. That was the hardest thing that Jesus had to endure. Arm yourself with the same mind. Many of us are defeated in our battles against sin because we refuse to sacrifice anything in the battle. We only want victory if it comes easy to us. Jesus calls us to have the same kind of attitude that we would sacrifice in the battle against sin. Some of us don't want to let go of our sins. Some of us have a difficult time letting go of our sins. And I can readily admit that when I was younger, <clears throat> I partied. All my friends partied. We drank. We used drugs. Smoked marijuana. My dad was an alcoholic. <clears throat> but the day I gave myself to the Lord on Easter Sunday in 1985 at Harvest Christian Fellowship, I was able to let all that go except for one thing. 
And that was the marijuana. I was reading his word. I had just finished The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. I was going to Bible study. I was going to two services on Sunday. I was going to a home study. I was reading books and the word. When you first become, you get all fired up and you're all in it. But I couldn't give up the the pot. I would come home from work and go to that ashtray, pick up my pipe, and light it up and smoke it. It didn't take me very long to realize I was no longer getting high. But I didn't have the self-discipline. I didn't have the will to let that go. God knew my heart. I prayed with all my heart for him to take that from me. And now 30 years later, I have not had a 30 plus years later, I've never had a craving for pot again when he took that from me. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perishes than for your whole body to be cast into hell. I know that is a a dark, provocative message. But it's not a literal message that we take our eye out. Because even if we take our eye out and the, the sin is still in our hearts, still in our mind, well, we can't take our heart out. We can't take our mind out. So it's not literally take your eye out, but it's that important that you understand that you have to take you have to take up your own cross. That is the commitment, and never look back. You got to be all in. You have to let go of your demons. Arm yourself with the same mind. Many of us are defeated in the battle against sin because we refuse to sacrifice anything in that battle. We only want victory if it comes easy. Jesus calls us to have the same kind of attitude that we would sacrifice in the battle. Against sin. So when I became a Christian, I had a group of friends that I love dearly. I still love them today. Some of us worked together. We played softball together. We had a men's team, a girls' team. We had a co-ed team. We partied together, spent holidays together. We went to the river together. We went many places together, river rafting. But as I became more in the Word, they didn't want to have anything to do with that. When I tried to share with them, they just turned from me. I had to make a decision what was important to me. Well, I was committed. I was all in. I don't know where my friends are today, and I love them dearly, and if God ever gave me the opportunity to witness to them, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do it with all the the gifts and blessing that the Lord has given me. But I had to pick up that cross and carry it. But you know, we don't have to carry that alone. When we have our own struggles, the Lord knows our heart, and all we have to do is ask. 
He who suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin. Whoever has suffered for doing right has still gone on and still gone on obeying God in spite of the suffering it involves has made a clear break from sin. He is more likely to live the rest of his time in the flesh not in the lust of man but in the will of God. He's just telling us Let go of your your sinful nature. Trust in Him. Obey Him. Follow Him. And you will be blessed. No longer should we live the rest of this time. The Apostle Peter gives us two references that helps us having the right attitude in in following Jesus Christ. First, no longer should we live in sin. We should answer every temptation and sinful impulse and reply, no longer. Whatever it is in your life, no longer will I be an alcoholic. No longer will I be a drug addict. No longer this or that. Fill in the blank for yourself. I have more than one blank that I had to fill in. Second, we should carefully consider how to live the rest of our time. God has appointed for us some further days on this earth. And we will answer to him how we live this time. How will you answer that? No longer will I. And just fill in the blank. Even our Savior, Jesus Christ, was all in. In Luke chapter 23, verse 46, he said, Father, into your hands... I commit my spirit right there on the cross. So when a Christian commits their soul to him, they leave their soul in a safe place. God is a faithful creator and we can give give ourselves to him as pliable clay in his hands. So the illustration here is that picture a, a artist on whatever, what are those things uh, they have the clay on that spins them around and they add the water? He begins to mold us. He begins to transform us into the image that he wants us to be. Not necessarily what we want to be, but we have to allow him that. So that artist creates a vessel, whether it be a bowl a vase. That's what he'll do in our lives when we give ourselves to him. When we are active participant in this transformation that he'll do in our lives. So you don't have to do it alone, but you have to participate. You have to be in his word. You have to be in prayer. You have to develop a relationship with him. And then they put the vessel the bowl or the vase, and they put it in a kill. And the fire cures it. So I'm telling you now that you will have struggles when you become a believer, whatever it's going to be. And you have to take up your cross and carry through it. But at the end, God begins that transformation. He gives us allows us to learn how to be persevere through those 
to grow through those, for those struggles. That's what the pliable clay means, to change us, to mold us, to cure us, to grow us. Now, I apologize now on this story I'm going to share with you. I've read it about six times, and I, I haven't been able to get through it without getting choked up. So my apologies now. This is a true story of Philip, who was born with Down syndrome. He was a pleasant child, happy as seen, but increasingly aware of the differences between him and other children. Philip went to Sunday school faithfully every week. He was in the third grade with nine other eight-year-olds. And you know how eight-year-olds are. Philip, with his differences, was not readily accepted. But his teacher was sensitive to Philip, and he helped the group of eight-year-olds to love each other as best they could under the circumstances. They learned, they laughed, they played together, and really cared about one another as much as an eight-year-old can. But don't forget, there was an exception to this. Philip was readily not part of the, the group. Philip did not choose, nor did he want to be different. He just was. And what was, and the way thing, and that was just the way things were. His teacher had a marvelous idea for Easter Sunday. You know those things that pantyhose used to come in uh, in the eighties? Yeah, that big egg. The teacher collected ten of them, and the children loved it when he brought it into the room and gave one to each child. It was a beautiful spring day much like we'll have tomorrow. And the assignment for each child was to go outside and find a symbol for new life and put it in the egg and bring it back to the classroom and they would open them one by one and share their life symbol, new life symbol, and surprise one another. It was glorious. It was confusing. It was wild as they ran around the church grounds, gathering their symbols and returning to the classroom. They put all the eggs on the table, and then the teacher opened them one by one. All the children gathered around the table, excited. He opened one, and there was a flower, and they oohed and awed. He opened another, and a little there was a little butterfly. Beautiful, the girl said. The boys didn't have that in their vocabulary at that point. He opened another, and there was a rock. As third graders will, as third graders will. Some laughed and some said, that's crazy. Another said, how's a rock supposed to be new life? But the smart little boy spoke up who put it in. That's mine. I knew all of you would get flowers and buzz and leaves and butterflies and stuff like that. So I got a rock because I wanted to be different. And for me, that's new life. And they all laughed. The teacher said something about the wisdom of eight-year-olds and opened the next one. There was nothing inside. The children, at his eight-year-old's will, said, that's not fair. That's stupid. Somebody didn't do it right. Then the teacher felt a tug on his shirt and looked down. It's mine, Philip proclaimed. It's mine. And the children said, you don't ever do things right, Philip. There's nothing there. 
I did do it right, Philip said. I did do it right. The tomb is empty. There was a silence, a full, complete silence. And for you that don't believe in miracles, I want to tell you that one happened that day. From that time on, it was different. Philip suddenly became part of the group. They took him in, and he was set free from the tomb of his differences. Philip died that summer. His family had known since the time he was born that he wouldn't live a full life. There were many things wrong with his little body. And so late in that July, with the infection that most children would quickly shrug off, Philip died. At his memorial service, eight nine-year-old children marched up to the altar not with flowers to cover over the stark reality of death, but nine-year-olds, along with their Sunday school teacher, marched right up to that altar and laid on it that empty egg, that empty, old, discarded pantyhose egg, and the tomb is empty. I stand before you today, a symbol of the greatest three days in the history of mankind. Yesterday was Good Friday. Tomorrow is Easter. Yesterday, sin was conquered, and tomorrow, death is conquered. Yesterday, the greatest sacrifice in the history of mankind took place. Tomorrow, the greatest promise in the history of mankind the gift of eternal life. Yesterday was the cross. Tomorrow was the empty tomb. My question to you, will you have the childlike faith of Connor? Will you be as committed as Philip? As I close here, let me share what Billy Graham once wrote. He put put in much better words than I could ever do. Christ has risen from the dead, and because he lives... We know him, we know who he, who we, excuse me, we know him shall live also. We that know him shall live also. Through the cross, Jesus Christ conquered sin. In the resurrection, Jesus Christ conquered death and is alive forevermore. No, um, all the world, the churches will be filled with worshipers tomorrow because there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. We worship a risen and living Savior who has promised to give immortality to all that believe in him. No longer do men and women need to stumble into the fog and the darkness of hopelessness. A light that shines brighter than the new new day sun, offering hope to everyone who has been born again. Jesus promised in the Gospel of John, Chapter 11, verses 25-26. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me should never die. What a promise. The gift of eternal life. I want to give you the opportunity right now to change your life for eternity. 
Can you take that first step of childlike faith and surrender your life to Jesus Christ? Can you have the attitude of commitment to God? Are you ready to declare, no longer will I live in sin? If that is your decision today, or you feel the need to recommit your life to the risen Savior, then just repeat with me this sinner's prayer. So if everyone could close their eyes and bow your head, if my brothers and sisters could pray for those that God is speaking to, please raise your hand, raise it high to him, not to me, and just repeat this prayer. I know I am a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my Savior and follow him as my Lord. From this day forward, guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you have any questions, if you need prayer, if you need a Bible, or you just need some further guidance and direction, then please feel free to come up. We will... uh, We will have the groceries. We have plenty. Um, So let's uh, close out with a final prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for this time together, Lord, where we could spend some time in your word and fellowship. We could see each other this one time a month. We thank you, Lord, for the resources you provided in these groceries may be a blessing to us. And as we go through our day, Lord, speak to us. Remind us just how great this weekend is. The cross, the empty tomb, the gift of eternal life. We just pray, Lord, that if that is your will for us, Lord, you just continue to speak to us, Lord, and put it upon everyone's heart, Lord, maybe to come and spend some time in church tomorrow. As we go through our day, bless us, keep us safe, And hopefully we will see you all tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless.